Well, thank you for hopping on the podcast. I don't even know how we got connected. I think it was a long time ago through Instagram. I But think so. yeah, I, I, you're amazing. Like I watch your videos. I see all your pictures. You're a contortionist, circus artist, aerialist, right? Um, very multidimensional movement artist. And um, tell me, what are your exact specialties in circus? So I do contortion, I do hula hoops, I do lira and straps, and they're kind of, I get self-conscious about it because I make a lot of the same shapes in a lot of my acts because I use my contortion and flexibility. I like lead in on all of the acts with that, but like who doesn't like the Yeah. split? <laughs> No, who doesn't like the splits, right? And like, honestly, play to what you know, play to your strengths. And um, how did you get into circus? Um, I actually started when I was 23 because I was in this store and they had like a flying trapeze rig set up and they were like, do you want to go on the trapeze? You pay $10 and you get to swing. And I was like, yeah, I want to do it. Up and swung and they were like, we have classes. And I was like, oh, cool. So I started going to like silks classes. Mind you, I had, I had no like any kind of background like I could I almost failed PE in high school <laughs> wow wow um, but I started doing silks and I did that for like a year and then they had this like poster up at the school that they were having auditions for this professional program um up in Vermont I think it was and I was like you can do this for a living. Are you? <laughs> so There I, are people out there who do this, like yeah, there's a right. thing. I applied to this school and I went and auditioned and they were like, no, you suck. You can't come here. And I was like, Aww. oh. <laughs> but then like, I knew that this was a thing. So I applied to the San Francisco Circus Center, like <laughs> mm. aerial program. And I did that for a year. Um, they shut it down due to some scandalous activity, which I was not involved in. But nevertheless, I had moved across the country to go to circus school. And they were like, sorry, there's no more aerial program. Hmm. So I got like, I'm really grateful for that education that I had because... If I hadn't had that, I would be so scattered, but they were like, you go to stretching at this time and you go to acrobatics at this time and you have to pick a specialty and focus on it. And I picked swinging trapeze because I was like,
mm-hmm. the learning curve. Um, but yeah, it's like I'm so glad that I had the ability with my body starting. I think I started contortion at like 26. Wow, that is insane I mean in the best way possible like starting at 26 contortion when a lot of people start a lot younger right when he's younger (laughs) (laughs) so would you say you're naturally flexible or was most of that trained I would say that my back is extremely naturally flexible which is like what you kind of need to be a backbending contortionist because I feel like you either have that at 26 or you don't mm-hmm. and um but my legs like my splits were horrible I was like a foot off of the ground um so I it was a lot of work to kind of catch up to where other people were at in circus school because they had heard of circus before and mm-hmm. had it for a while Yeah, well, it's so cool to see these interesting stories of people pivoting careers later than the norm, right? What was what were you doing before circus? Um, drinking and smoking cigarettes. (laughs) I feel that right. It's like, and then you find yourself through the circus. Yeah, find that purpose. Literally, like I had all of this energy that I didn't really understand how to channel before Mm -hmm. a very physical person but like I never did sports or gymnastics so once I found circus I was like oh my mental problems are a lot better now (laughs) (laughs) it's funny I heard of another circus artist um who he he was a chef before like a professional chef and he um pivoted into straps actually he he's a straps artist aerialist um and now he does it professionally and he so he had this whole past career and then later i think in his 20s or maybe even in his early 30s is when he pivoted to circus so oh, it's i Yeah, I love hearing these really interesting stories. And it's so great to hear that you found yourself through circus and you're so good at it. You were on America's Got Talent. Uh, Tell me about that whole experience, America's Got Talent. Um, So there's like a backstory because I did perch on America's Got Talent, which is this pretty like old traditional act where the base like he holds in our act he held me on his forehead on this like 15 foot pole and I would go up and do handstands on it um so how I got into that was I was working at this bar in San Francisco and I got fired from there because there was this girl who's like sleeping with the boss and wanted to steal my shifts Oh, so, wow. <laughs> <I got fired. laughs> like my friend was working in this traditional circus and he was like hey um do you want to come ride elephants in the circus and I had just gotten fired like that morning and I was like sure yeah so <laughs> I <got laughs> with no contract and like what were these sparkly showgirl costumes with the big 
had dresses and I was like a elephant rider showgirl. And I got to do a lot of things in traditional circus that I wouldn't otherwise have had the opportunity to do, like riding elephants and learning perch. I did flying trapeze. It came full circle. I was so bad. <laughs> did perch for four years and I actually learned to do the contortion archery so that I could do it in my perch act. And I think we're the only perch act in the world to ever do combine like the head balancing perch with the archery. So that's how they found us for America's Got Talent. And it was like, it was a good experience. I mean, sometimes filming TV shows is really hard because you have to be there for so long and you're just so mm -hmm. tired and they're asking mm -hmm. questions but um it was a good experience overall and I think from there my career really took off but uh, right after right after we did the show we stopped working together mm -hmm. yeah so well what year was that was that like 2014 or it was 2017 17 got it got it um can you clarify what is perch can you define that so the perch itself it's like a long ours was 15 feet tall mm -hmm. had kind of like hand balancing canes on the top but the the forearms were braced so there's not like a double balance effect happening mm -hmm. and on the bottom there is a headpiece that goes onto the base's head mm -hmm. we'll balance that as I climb up it and do handstands and archery wow okay so did you get scared like when you were first learning it like you're balancing on someone's head it like... was crazy it was crazy. <laughs> but like we always did it with a safety line because okay was to do that with perch okay um, in circus. But I even if even though I had a safety line, I was so scared. <laughs> like I, I mean, who wouldn't be right? Yeah, and then talk about foot archery because I th that's like your specialty, right? And contortion is one of your specialties. Is the foot archery? Yeah, that's what I've done most in my career. Um, I just uh, learned it myself in my circus trailer. Wow. Um, yeah, there wasn't anyone to like teach it. So I was like, well, I have this bow and a lot of time. So here we go. Mm -hmm. So if you had to describe the process of foot archery, how would you describe it? Um, it was a lot of trial and error. And then I think I just have my own system where I'm like, all right, this is in place. This is in place. My toes here, the targets there. Boom. Yeah. So you're in a handstand, right? You have the, what do you, the bow, you have the bow on one foot that's like pinched between your toes. Yeah. And then yeah. In your other foot, you have the arrow pinched mm -hmm. between your other toes. And then that's how you draw the, I don't know what you call it, the position, right? Yeah, you draw the bow, I guess. Draw or the bow or draw the arrow. Mm -hmm. 
And then once you're in position, you let you release the arrow. It's like mm -hmm. traditional archery, except upside down and contorted. Yeah, with your feet. And yeah. did you do one with a flaming arrow? I've never done one with a flaming arrow. I have like the setup to do it, but the arrow is really heavy and it seems and like I would learn it if there were more requests for it, but the fire code of most places does not allow fire. <laughs> not gonna put this much effort into something to do like one gig a year. Sure, yeah. Yeah, but so impressive nonetheless. Um by the way, did you ever train with Sergema Bayamba? I did. She was my first contortion coach in San Francisco. Oh my gosh. Well, she and I go way back. Oh, really? Yeah, cuz I was a rhythmic gymnast and uh in SF and then our coach hired her to help us stretch. Oh, um, so yeah, so I've known her since I was 12, I think I was 12 when I met her. And that's how I get all my circus contacts for this podcast is through Sergema. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, actually, she got me a job at Circus Center. I was teaching dance and rhythmic gymnastics at Circus Center um, several months back. But it's just so funny how small this world is, especially <laughs> in the circus community. I feel like everyone kind of knows of each other um it's a very insular world but I think we're all tied together with love for the craft and um I have a lot of respect for circus artists because of just the incredible feats you guys are able to do with your bodies and the amount of commitment you devote to your craft um tell me about the lifestyle of a circus artist so what are you working on right now Oh man, it de it depends so much like what my job is and having multiple acts like I feel like I can't keep them all at 100% all the time. The one I try to focus on most is contortion because if you stop like stretching or doing handstands, those skills leave pretty quickly whereas Ariel, if I have to get back in shape for that, um, I can do it in like a week. And then hula hooping, those skills stay. So I try to train like at least five days a week, even if it's just for an hour, or I'll include it in my show warm up. And right now I'm working at Lost Spirits Distillery. In Vegas it's this really cool like rum tour experience with circus shows happening throughout it that's cool wow yeah so um you talk about training like five days a week and because you need to be consistent right to keep up especially with the contortion the flexibility um I know from personal experience, when I stopped gymnastics, like my flexibility was the first thing to go. Um, yeah. So yeah, super important. Um, do you still, when you train, do you train by yourself or do you still take classes? I still take classes, actually. I take three classes a week. And then right now, 
I'll just train after I'm done doing my act. So I like build it into my work schedule. Mm hmm. Yeah. So how many performances are you doing a week? Um, it varies, but usually around 10. So five days a week. Got it. Got it. And of course, it, it would depend on what gig you're working on in the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in terms of like your pre-performance ritual, do you have anything special you do to get yourself mentally ready for a show? Not really. I have like kind of bad time management skills. <laughs> so, <laughs> I've learned to just warm up on adrenaline. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's that I'm proud of. But lately I've been trying to be more responsible and like try and warm up for like an hour and like get through all of my conditioning and kicks and like handstand drills before I do my act. Mm hmm So I guess that. But I've been doing it for a while now. So I'm not really like nervous or I don't have any rituals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it goes to show that experience is what gives you that confidence, right? Because I'm sure when you first started performing professionally, like I'm sure it was challenging, right, to adapt to that kind of pressure. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could only imagine because um, it's one thing if you're just doing it as like a hobby, right, uh, you know, for fun or at a showcase. It's another thing if you're actually getting paid to entertain, yeah. you know, you have that expectation of like, OK, I this is my job. I have to do well. Would yeah. you say you felt that? It's weird because like I'll run my act in the gym like three times back to back and I'm like, that was fine. But if I have to do my act three times in a show I'm like exhausted because it's a lot of like you do your act differently in a show than you do it in rehearsal I think just mm -hmm. the energy that you're sharing with the crowd and like how on you are mentally and physically right absolutely and just that little extra bit of adrenaline especially in something as precise as contortion right and hand balancing like it, I could imagine it could throw you off yeah right um I see some contortionists that um because I had the opportunity to perform in Surgeman's show um last year I worked with the contortionist there and um and they were young contortionists you know like young girls and so gotcha. a lot for a lot of them it was they're still getting their feet wet with performing like getting comfortable so you could kind of see like their hands shaking like when they're in the handstand um and then i had audience members ask me i was they were like oh are their arms supposed to shake like that <laughs> <laughs> i'm like well i mean you know there's all these factors going on like but they're really freaking strong to be able to hold a one-arm handstand like that. Mm -hmm. um, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's it's a lot of pressure. And I, I personally have never performed contortion. Um, I could imagine, I don't know, I think I would be terrified if I had to go up and do something that required as much concentration as a handstand and not just any normal handstand, like a contortion handstand where you're 
like bending in all sorts of shapes and doing a one arm handstand and then shooting a bow and arrow with your foot in a handstand, like doing all these things. It's like, I feel like the margin of error is so small, right? Uh, when I was doing the most difficult, like nervousness, nervous, wait, <laughs> hard out. <laughs> Oh yeah, no problem. Yeah. Like the mo the performance you were most nervous in? Yeah, when I was most nervous when I was doing archery on perch because mm -hmm. the target was kind of moving, the perch was kind of moving. And I was like, Oh, wouldn't it be cute if like when I was shooting there was just this heartbeat noise and it was super silent and then I was up there like oh, I was so <laughs> nervous and I would I think like black out sometimes because I was so scared oh wow and it actually got to the point where I went to see a sports psychologist because mm -hmm. I would be I would like be so good at it in practice and then I would get into the show and like mess it up and I was like all right my body can do this it's mm -hmm. like something wrong with my brain and that was actually really helpful mm, yeah for sure. And I'm sure they worked on you, uh, wor worked with you on things like visualization, right? And imagery and um, yeah, sports psychologist, really helpful for sure. Yeah. It was like um, you like really hone in on what you're doing to block everything else out and make it really a small part. So it was like, one, take the bow in my foot. Two, press up into a Hanson and I numbered everything and it was helpful just to zoom in and like focus on the process rather than the results and then yeah. when I did that I got better results yeah yeah definitely focusing on um like you said the process as opposed to fixating on oh it has to be a perfect outcome each time because when you yeah. fixate on that that's just an enormous amount of pressure and yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense and I'm glad you were able to you know have the have the insight to say hey you know I think I, I want to get some help from a sports psychologist and and do that you know because I, I feel like a lot of athletes um, there's still this kind of I don't want to say stigma, but I feel like a lot of athletes who need need the help or could benefit from a sports psychologist don't actually take that step um, for whatever reason. But as yeah. you've exemplified, it can really be helpful. So I think um, it's more embarrassing to mess up in a show than to go to a sports psychologist. So like, right, right. Oh, if you need it. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and let's say if you mess up during a show, because obviously live performances, there are a lot of factors that we can't always control. Mistakes happen. Um, how do you recover from them? I mean, with archery on perch, I just I had to do it again. Which was <laughs> horrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, like, the second shot that I took, it usually got a better reaction than the first one. Mm -hmm. And I never missed the second shot miraculously because I That's think good. I snap into focus. Yeah, 
I can't imagine that kind of pressure, right? It's like you miss the first one and then you're like, oh God, the pressure's on. I can't miss this next one. Yeah. <laughs> like That's insane. <laughs> I not miss doing that, actually. Oh my gosh. I did it. I got a video. Look at me. I'm so cool, but you are so cool. You are like you and all the circus performers. I have so much respect for you guys. What you do requires so much courage. And um, yeah, yeah. So good on you for for all, all that you do to entertain us. And um, what would you say is your favorite memory from your circus career? It could be like a favorite performance. Um, it could be like a favorite place you've traveled to um, for a show, um, a favorite act, anything like that. I think actually this contract that I did in L.A. last summer with this troupe called Bodavir, it was just the best cast. And there's something about their shows that have this like raw energy that makes me feel so alive and I was doing my straps act and I was like just very happy and in the moment the whole time and I feel like the cast I felt so comfortable to be myself around and it was just really fun that's amazing yeah that's so beautiful that you get to meet some of your closest friends through circus and and have that sense of community for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of your long term goals for circus, how how far do you see yourself going with this? Because I know um, there are stories of contortionists who are doing it in their 70s. You know, they're still doing yeah. it. So is that your goal? I think I want to keep performing until like either my body makes me stop or people are like, you're too old, get off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope, I hope that I make a choice to like stop performing before I'm forced to. Mm -hmm. But right now, I don't feel like I want to stop. And there's been a few moments where my career has been kind of hard and I'm like do I really like this to push past these challenges and so far I've always been like yes I love doing this I'm passionate about it I want to keep doing it but maybe the moment will come where it gets challenging and I'm like mm, I'm not really into this anymore and mm -hmm. then I'll probably think about stopping yeah. And I think we all have to just listen to our gut and um, kind of know ourselves enough to to know when to push and when to stop. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you want to add? Ooh, uh -huh. advice. What advice would you give to aspiring circus artists? I would say that the most important thing in the circus industry is the relationships you have because you're not necessarily going to get the job because of your skills. You're going to get the job because the boss likes you or your friend recommended you. So 
get out of the gym and go make friends <laughs> or you make know, that is huge that is guys listen to that any young aspiring circus artists out there it's so true it's so true it's who you know not necessarily what you know and that's not just in circus, but in life at large, in other careers also, as I'm learning also, I'm I'm 25 and I I am learning a lot at this age of like how the real world works. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. It's like these are how you get your opportunities and how you get your foot in the door is based on the connections yeah. you have. Definitely. Kind of frustrating sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you kind of realize that you're like huh okay but also you can't like totally suck so you have to- <laughs> <laughs> you need both right you need both to, to a degree yeah yeah um oh I did have one more question about um injuries have you had what kind of injuries have you had to push through and what kind of advice would you give to someone who's working through an injury I had a lot of injuries Mm -hmm. when I first started just because I had no body awareness or strength. Um, I tore my shoulder doing trapeze. And actually, the first thing that I came back to before Ariel was handstands. Um, I don't know that I'm the best person to give advice on injuries because I'm just like, my foot hurts. Just ignore it. It's fine. I need to go to work and make money. <laughs> um, so I don't think that's right. But it brings up a good point of, yeah, how do you navigate injuries when your livelihood is based on your performances, right? And that's how you make your money. And yes, it's like you're injured, but to a degree, you have to push through because you need to make rent you know and the way you're gonna make rent is by performing this gig if you don't perform you're not gonna make income right right like what your job is or what company you're working for when I was Mm -hmm. at Spiegel World I actually got injured like my neck or something and I was able to take time off and they still paid me Mm -hmm. cool but then when you're freelance you're either like well I'm gonna take some Advil and push through this or not do it and I'm always like I'm gonna do it (laughs) and that takes a lot of guts that takes a lot of guts and it's also important you know to to think long term right about you know, if I push through this injury now, like, is it going to come back to me later? Like, how long can I be in the game for if I keep pushing through injuries? Um, It's hard. You know, life has, yeah. Injury prevention has been really important for me. I mean, I don't know how much this applies to, like, dynamic skills or acrobatics, but especially with contortion and aerial you want to do all of this conditioning so all of the little muscles support your ligaments and your the big muscles that fire so you just want to be like it's like taking care of your car like mm-hmm. if you get your oil changed and 
you take good care of it, it's less likely to break down. So I try to do a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's a really good analogy. It's like and, maintaining yeah. your body. And when I teach, I teach um, online classes and I teach in person also, but I try to incorporate a lot of that injury prevention kind of technique into my teaching. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And um, if anyone wants to take your classes, how can they contact you, your online classes? They can go to my website, elenasanders.com, or they can contact me on Instagram, which my handle is elenaxsanders. Awesome. Yeah. And you teach contortion, aerial. In private lessons, I teach aerial and I teach contortion, but my group classes are like intro to contortion, like pretty beginner focused. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your story. Oh, it was yeah. really fun having you. <laughs> thank you guys so, so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Athlete Voices podcast. We have new episodes coming every Tuesday, so stay up to date with that by clicking subscribe. You can follow us on our Instagram at Athlete Voices and check out our website, athletevoices.net, where we post feature articles about the guests on this podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys next week.